0: Welcome back to the keystone kickoff show brought to you by new trail brewing company new trail beers are brewed right here in central pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week when you're in happy valley be sure to find new trail at wr hickey and other craft beer retailers
1: and welcome to the keystone kickoff show i'm jim Galante, along with dustin Hawkinsmith. And our quarter number one is brought to you by New Trail Brewing, reminding you that New Trail Brews are beers right here in central Pennsylvania and delivers fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. Your biggest dilemma is which of their many options to select. That's why I recommend the Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trails Hoppy Pack, it's an absolute crowd pleaser, packed with four different hoppy beers. Sure to please everyone at the tailgate, campfire, or wherever you're going to enjoy a beer or two, Dusty. And I'll tell you what, with this spring-like weather we've been having, what better than a couple cold beers to go with it? But if you're going to be out at Penn State, uh, at State College this coming week, you can stop at Hickey, pick up the whole variety from New Trail. I think they still have some of the white out there. Not sure, but you can check that out too. All right, Dusty. How about it? A very, very nice win over Indiana, was it not?
2: That was um I don't know if I would say it's the most complete performance that we've seen this year, but it was definitely up on the list, one of the top 2 or 3. That was a really good uh showing on both sides of the ball. Special teams as well. And I think uh you know, I think Indiana was kind of like Penn State was on the receiving end of, uh, of Michigan, you know, getting owned at the line of scrimmage just led to all kinds of bad
1: things happening for them, all kinds of good things happening for Penn State. Well, let's start with the line of scrimmage. Your choice. Where do you want to start? Offensive line or defensive line? Because I could talk about either one of them and be just as happy.
2: Yeah, two really positive storylines. Let's start on the defensive side of the ball because the numbers to back up what those guys did, um, just defense-wide, but in particular, it just looked like every single play, two or three or even more defensive linemen were winning their one-on-one matchups. And, you know, you can kind of do no wrong whenever you're getting that type of pressure, that immediately on on Indiana's quarterbacks. And the numbers speak for themselves, you know, 16 tackles for loss. I heard someplace, maybe you can back this up, that it was Penn State's most ever since TFLs became a a stat. That's what I heard. I wasn't able to verify that on my own. Uh, Six sacks by six different individuals. So the pressure kind of coming from everywhere. Everybody got a piece of the action. And Indiana, you know, just the inability to establish the ground game, really. Um, You know, they have some quarterback issues with Jack Tuttle coming in, replacing Basilak and then Jack Tuttle going down on a hit by Devon Ellis and then their their true freshman backup backup coming in. It just wasn't a good formula for Indiana. And I think it's one of those things, yeah, Indiana definitely has its share of struggles on that side of the ball. But Penn State really just forced the issue. They came out, you know, hungry, motivated, playing fast, playing aggressive. And even when Indiana was experiencing a little bit bit of success early in this game, you got the sense that Penn State was going to own the line of scrimmage for 60 minutes, and they, they did exactly that. I think it's one of those bounce-back efforts you
1: want to see in this type of way to be to do it with dominance. And, you know, it didn't seem to matter who the quarterback was. I don't care. The Penn State defensive line was so dominating that Patrick Mahomes, I felt like, could have been back there, and, and it, there wouldn't have been much difference. And to your point, even early in the game when— the quarterback escaped a little bit. He was running for his life because, you know, the Penn State defensive line was dominating, was getting penetration. So when he had those couple runs, it was, he was running for his life. And it was not an indicator of something being done so well by the Indiana offense. It was more out of desperation than anything else.
2: For sure. And I think, uh you know, you might be able to look at it, you know, rewatch the tape and say, hey, you know, gap integrity. They needed to maintain the rush lanes a little bit better. These guys were trying to get into the backfield like their hair was on fire. And I got no problem with that. If if Jack Tuttle is going to scramble away and, you know, you're going to give up some yards that way. You adjust to that, which they did. Uh, but I, I like the aggression and I, I felt like. Um, they didn't need to do a lot of creative stuff, but you know, Manny Diaz still dialed some things up to get some other guys involved in, in this pressure. And, um, you know, the, the numbers, you know, it, it's hard to remember. I I feel like there was 13 tackles for loss in the first half alone, you know, things got dialed back a little bit. You saw the subs come in pretty early in this, in the second half. Um, but the, the starting defense here, 12 different guys got at least a portion of a tackle for loss. You know, this was this was a group effort uh and it was it was one where, you know, Indiana just couldn't escape. Penn State knows what it's like to feel like you're playing 11 on 14.
1: That's what it felt like for Indiana too. It really did. And let's point out a couple individuals and I think Kobe King and you talk about it in your notes, but he was the standout and it was really good to see a linebacker specifically a middle linebacker step up and have a big game dusty
2: yeah and i I do feel like we're going to talk about the future of the program a bit this just felt like a good time to explore um where this team where this program is going given what we were seeing here in 2022 but uh You know, Kobe King looked. He he had a little bit of Ellis Brooks in him in this game. I I like the way that he is definitive, decisive, aggressive, physical. You know, the same type of way that Ellis Brooks was towards the end of his career. You know, I think Kobe King is just still scratching the surface and you know i was i was a little bit surprised he didn't win the middle linebacker job outright coming out of training camp but he didn't uh and i do feel like performances like these are really gonna push the needle in his direction when it comes to snaps uh he led the team in tackles with eight had two and a half tackles for loss and even snuck a quarterback hurry in there it's the kind of stat line that we we got accustomed to seeing from ellis brooks that i think is kind of in this kid's future. You know, I think he's a much more dynamic player than Tyler Ellison. He just wasn't ready out of camp. I'm curious to see, you know, just like we saw with Abdul Carter was kind of snuck into the starting lineup um, a couple weeks ago, maybe Kobe King sees his role expand going down the stretch here with these last three regular season games.
1: It could very well be. I'm trying to look up very quickly. Uh how many snaps that he got. Again, Elsden was in and out of the game. So because of that, we saw more of Kobe King, and it appears that he took advantage of it. Yeah, he among the linebackers, he easily had the most snaps. He had 48, and Elsden only had 10. So it it was an impressive performance, and we could see that uh, job share. Leaning more towards Kobe King based on this performance, um another guy that you know will be there all the time when it counts, but just made a special play too with Jair Brown with his sack, and I love the way you described it a euro step he took to make that play
2: I mean that's exactly what it was, you know, just kind of like it looked like he was going for a layup or something, and you know what the way that he. Uh, got past the running back trying to block him. It was kind of a layup type of sack, but you know, to me, this is just Jair Brown making plays in a manner that we haven't seen a lot of guys come through Penn state uh, who are able to make plays like that. He's just got such a flair and a knack and a way to put himself in position. Like, yeah, you know, Manny Diaz dialed up a blitz where Jair Brown was coming off the edge, but he had to do something pretty special to make that play as quick as and aggressive and, uh, you know, and intense as he did. And it was – I would definitely encourage you to go back through and, and re-watch that a few times and enjoy it, appreciate it. The days of having Jair Brown on the back end of this defense are numbered, and I would definitely recommend, you know, soak this one up because it was it was special and it was just fun to watch. Just the the little stagger step that, that got him past the running back, the whiff of a block that probably he's on, you know, Tom Allen – uh, probably making him run laps as we speak for that one. But that was just Jair Brown doing what he does and his stat line and the 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 way that he is able to fill up every stat category. Um, just an incredible player and an incredible
1: play by him. And we'll talk more about Dan Orlowski, who was the color guy on the game, who I thought he did an exceptional job. I was wondering where he was going when he said, well, you can't let a running back face Jair Brown one-on-one. Well, I'm thinking... Jair Brown juked out a small athletic, you know, running back. Would a lineman have even gotten close to him? Okay. So very impressive. The other one, and again, I I really liked the coverage of it, was with Kalen King's interception when they showed the replay and they gave us that isolated shot for the entire coverage from the line of scrimmage. And just saw how Kalen King, his coverage the whole way, he was under control to make that play.
2: And I think that's just a hallmark of what he does and what makes him so good. Like you look at him and his dimensions and he's not, you know, a standout like 6'2", six, 6'3 six, guy. He's not really bringing to the table those physical skills like Joey Porter Jr. is bringing to the table with those arms and that length. But he is just so sound in everything he does. And I think that particular play, you know, he wasn't perfect. You know, there was a bit of a release there from the wide receiver. There was a point where he had a step on him. But his ability to kind of recognize that and close that ground and really get his head around and control his body, like he he was in total control, like he was the wide receiver on that play. And I thought, you know, that was just such a a great play. Not a, you know, not – not obviously the best throw or anything, but um but his ability to make up ground on the wide receiver and then get himself turned around and not just make a play but get settled under that thing. It was a good play by by him. And I think it's it demonstrated you know, some of the things that Penn State fans should continue to be excited about as we go into the future here. It's probably, you know, the second half of the show, we'll talk about the future a little bit more with, with him, too. But just, uh, you know, I think just a, a prototypical cornerback play. And uh, he, he's he got
1: kind of prototypical cornerback technique. Let's get started on the offensive side of the ball because there's so much to talk about. And let's start with the offensive line, which I know everyone wants to talk about the quarterback, But I'd say the offensive line was the big story. They had, what, three starters out, had a true freshman playing. Um, J.B. Nelson, a first-year guy from junior college, very impressive job. I know it was just Indiana, but I'd say a pretty solid performance by that group. Yeah, I
2: mean, Sean Clifford was sacked once. It's the only blemish on, on this resume. I I think, you know, as the game went on, they were opening more and more room in the running game. Sean Clifford, outside of that sack, was not hurried one time. And, you know, we looked at this game, we looked at the point spread, and we looked at what things could potentially sink Penn State in this, in, and make it sort of a trap game. And it was the state of the offensive line. And I think for the first time in forever, you can look at this and say, hey, this was a group that was missing 60% of its starting lineup and still was able to maintain control throughout. Uh, I think there's a lot of things to be encouraged about from that one, not the least of which being Drew Shelton getting that third game under his belt and looking pretty comfortable out there at
1: left tackle. He really did. All right, Dusty, that's it for quarter number one. Quarter number two, we're going to keep up the conversation about the Indiana game. Stay tuned for that.
3: New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pregame tailgate all the way through the victory celebration.
0: Zero, 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 000. welcome back to the keystone kickoff show brought to you by new trail brewing company new trail beers are brewed right here in central pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week when you're in happy valley be sure to find new trail at wr hickey and other craft beer retailers
1: Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galanti, along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dustin, we're continuing our conversation. Penn State, Indiana. We hit the uh, offensive line, wrapping up that first uh, segment where we cover the defense also. Let's get to it. You know we have to. Let's talk quarterbacks. Let's talk Sean Clifford. And uh, 15 for 23, 229 yards, no touchdowns, but one interception. Give me your take on his performance.
2: Uh, I mean, how many times can you say the same thing, that this was really a a Sean Clifford type of mixed bag? There wasn't a lot of plays that needed to be made through the air. He didn't have to force a lot of things to happen, which is obvious in his stat line. You know, an interception that you'd want to get back early in the game, but we've seen that, you know, and I think that's what, you know, that first impression of Sean Clifford in a bunch of games it feels like of throwing an interception that you you know, you, you want to try to get back. Uh I like we you mentioned Dan Orlovsky earlier. I liked his um breakdown of the of that interception where he had two route concepts, um you know, to the left side of the field, the way that the defense responded to that dictated that Sean Clifford should hit the deeper guy. He still fo- tried to force it in there to the more shallow receiver, and uh, wasn't much of a play to be made there. Just a you know, not a, a, a not a great read, and and he paid for it. But otherwise, you know, Penn State did such a good job gaining positive yards and staying on a pretty manageable schedule as an offense. You didn't need Sean Clifford to be a hero very often uh, when you did, you know, there was one drive where uh, he had a couple third and where Mitchell Tinsley just made an incredible play on the sideline and then sort of uh, adjusted to a, an underthrown ball in the middle of the field to convert there. Pese was really good on third down. Clifford was really good on third down, got a little bit of help along the way, but he did plenty. Uh, you didn't need him to be, uh, john elway or anything and he went out there and kind of did what he had to do uh you, you know the, the ground game was the real story i think on offense and and with katron allen scoring all those touchdowns but sean clifford uh, presumably was getting them into the right play and and uh and all that using <laughs> that veteran wisdom that that he has and his grit and his leadership and all that stuff uh you know the to look back and kind of think it just feels silly to think like James Franklin wasn't going to sh- start Sean Clifford. Like everybody was on quarterback watch. Uh, I just felt like pretty, it was pretty obvious. Like, you know, in a game like this, you hope that you're beating Indiana bad enough that you can get Sean Clifford to give you that best chance to go one and zero, And you can get drew Aller in there to see what he can do. And this was one game where the script played out that way.
1: One of the things that I've always talked about with Sean Clifford is as smart a young man as he is. And we know that to be the case. On the football field, it sometimes feels to me that he lacks the instincts um, that other quarterbacks have. And this is where I wanted to get back to Orlovsky in his analysis. If you recall, there was another play that he talked about. It was the third down prior to the Jake Penninger field goal, long field goal. It was a 50-yarder that he did make. But on the third down... uh, Clifford goes to his right, had a man running deep through the pass. It didn't have a chance. And Lasky analyzed it that, look, the defender had his back to him. It's a play where as a quarterback, just get some loft under the ball. Give your receiver that opportunity. That was one option. The other option was be aware of where you're at and that it's third down. And if you don't think you could get the first down, have an open guy throwing the ball, run for five or six yards. Give your kicker, instead of him having to make his all-time longest field goal, give him a more reasonable shot. Now again, Pinniger made the field goal, but in that one play, I think Orlowski hit exactly what I see as the issue with Sean Clifford.
2: A hundred percent. And you hate to cherry pick a few plays and I, you know, the way that Dan Orlovsky kind of spelled it out was the same sentiment that a lot of fans have, right. Where it's like, that's a read, that's a decision. That's an air trajectory of of the ball um, that a veteran quarterback who's in his fourth year as a starter should not make that mistake. You know, And I think you're not going to be perfect in any given game. And these are two such plays that we're talking about, but you know, Indiana didn't require Uh, fine execution. Penn State didn't have to be perfect or flawless. They had all the margin for error in the world. So these types of things didn't come back and haunt them. But the types of teams that Penn State wants to beat, these are the types of losing plays that kill drives or give a short field that you can't afford against Ohio State and Michigan. And – You know, that that was a good example of just maybe not having the right feel in that situation. Or maybe, you know, I think I think sometimes Clifford is that as a combination of uh, not fully aware or not particularly instinctive, as you say. uh, And but also at the same time, a little overconfident in his own abilities. And, And this was one where he felt like he could he could throw a dime down the field, which is that that's what it required. You know, instead of throwing the ball up and essentially making it a a jump ball situation with Loft, as as Orlovsky said, uh, he tried to put it on a dime. And just the way that he was moving, especially with his skill set, that just wasn't going to happen. Um, and I think, to, uh, you know, to contrast that, you saw Drew Aller, the true freshman, do some things that were more instinctive than we, we really have ever seen Sean Clifford. And I hate, like it stinks to keep making fun of Sean Clifford, not making fun. It stinks to keep criticizing him. And he did respond to questions about being criticized after the game in a very professional way. But you know, this is just a showcase of limitations that have been in place for a while. And
1: ones that I think the fan base, frankly, are getting a little bit tired of. And just to go on the record, I still feel like Sean Clifford is the right guy to start the game. Okay. I wouldn't hesitate to put Drew Aller in, but I don't like how, Uh, James Franklin talks about this after the game as if we can't see with our own eyes what is going on. And when James Franklin, for those of you who haven't heard it, in his press conference, he essentially said, oh, you guys only have 1% of the information based on what you see. Well, we see the important information, which is what happens on Saturday. You could be undefeated on Wednesday. Doesn't matter, Dusty. Doesn't matter. It's what you're doing on Saturday. So let's talk about Aller's performance. And the two things I'm going to throw out at you first that really impressed me was, and again, the comparison to Clifford. I think sometimes when he decides to run, he hesitates. He doesn't make that quick decision. He gets caught in between. Drew Aller had a case. He did run the ball instinctively, quickly. He made a quick decision. Made the first down. It was after a penalty in that series. So, and he beat somebody, okay? He didn't just, oh, the, you know, the waters opened up for him. And the other one was, well, the two passes, one to Liam Clifford, like you say, on a dime. It was a rope. And even the one-yard touchdown pass, and I keep quoting Orlovsky, who, by the way, if you can't tell, I enjoyed his analysis, His reaction, I wrote it down, God bless, that was a big-time throw. I'm not sure I've ever heard that reaction from a color guy, and it was a heck of a throw that touchdown pass.
2: He he almost made it so it was impossible not to catch it. You know, I feel like there's a football movie out there somewhere. I can't remember what it was, where the quarterback was like, "Let me handle it," and he threw it so it lodged into his guy's face mask, who couldn't catch. That's what it felt like. He just (laughs) stuck it right in his right in his chest in the back of the end zone. It's like those are the throws that I feel like just separate a guy like Drew Aller. Um, you know, you could I, I don't know if he, if that was the best possible outcome or whatever, but you know, he is able to, like, he's got the physical tools and he's got the accuracy to be able to lodge it in there like that. And, you know, that's the special type of throw that you kind of can't get. Like, I don't think Trace McSorley makes a throw like that. I don't think, uh, Sean Clifford makes a throw like that. It's Christian Hackenberg would have thrown it with that velocity. It would have just been in the first row of the stands. Um, You know, I think uh, that was an unfair shot at Christian Hackenberg. I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, Aller, the combination of instinct, accuracy, and arm strength are what's so appealing about him. And, you know, you can't really glean that from his college tape. Like, he's not surrounded by adequate enough talent to be able to showcase what he can do. But every time we've seen him play in a college game, you walk away encouraged at his feel for the game. The instinct to make something happen, and then obviously the throws that he could make.
1: By the way, I just want to tell you, I totally and completely disagree with your assessment of Christian Hackenberg throwing it into the first row of the stands. I think he would have bounced it to him. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk. I couldn't wait let's to hear running... where you're going with that. <laughs> let's let's talk running backs. Uh, tell you what, we we all are still so excited about Nick Singleton. But boy, Katron Allen, special, special gang. Yeah,
2: and and I love the situation the way that these guys are being used. Katron Allen should be the guy who starts games. He should be the guy who's able to make a little something out of nothing, make defenders grab at air a little bit, and then once you have these guys kind of on tilt. Some and and experiencing the sting of missing a bunch of tackles then you hit him with the explosive powerful you know other tailback and let him try to uh, do his thing and beat him deep so I think they've kind of found the right formula for using these guys and Catron Allen you know 18 carries for 86 yards and three touchdowns. I made this note. He had two catches for 72 yards, two big plays there, 158 yards total, average 4.8 yards per carry, which in itself is not all that impressive, but his longest run, Jim, was 12 yards. He's lost a total of five yards on his carries so far this season. Not in this game, 108 carries, he's lost five yards. Uh, and, and I think that kind of says everything it says what his limitations are that Nick Singleton can complement him, that he doesn't have breakaway speed, and that's okay. Uh, he's able to identify the cutback lane, uh, he's able to make the first guy miss. He showed a little bit of physicality and finishing runs in, in this game, breaking tackles. Uh, you know, the, on one of the big gains, he tried to level. Uh, the defensive back at the end of it and I love that. I, I think you you've got the guy here who is very very good at starting games and helping you stay on schedule. You know, his formula. I, I again, the a long gain of 12 yards and he went for 86 and uh averaged 4.8 yards per carry. Like he he is getting something positive. He almost like I don't think I've ever watched K'Tron Allen run and think that he got less than what he should have on a run. He's always getting more than what you think he should
1: get. And I love Now, the two pass plays, one was essentially a run where the little, the jet sweep kind of thing. And the other pass, my only thinking is they did that twice. I'd love to see that more often, not just with Katron Allen, but also with Nick Singleton. You know, when those guys get outside and get some space, both of them could be pretty special. And you're right, the end of that run after the catch katron allen he beat a lot of people crossed the entire field did a little high step thing and then said oh the heck with it i'm not gonna get past this guy i'm just gonna run him over love it love it love it all right that's it for quarter number two dusty stick around we got lots more to talk about in quarter number three
3: New Trail brewing company proudly crafts their beers right here in central pennsylvania Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, Newtrail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the Newtrail Hoppy Variety Pack. Newtrail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd pleaser, Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone.
0: Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at W.R. Hickey and other craft beer retailers.
1: And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. I'm Jim. He's Dustin. We're talking Penn State football. And this segment is brought to you by gopsurv.com. We've got a home game coming up, Dustin. And I think there's beginning to be a little bit more excitement among the Penn State fan base. I think they're warming up to the idea of a 10-2 season and that possibility. Maryland may be their biggest test in these last four games. So if you plan on heading out to Happy Valley... Haven't made your arrangements yet? Here's the idea. Go P-S-U-R-V dot com. This is where you drive your car to Happy Valley. And the RV's all set up and ready for you. As my good friend Dustin said, it's a weekend of tailgating interrupted by a ball game. And even better, Dusty, if you call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special, he'll give you 500 bucks off for the weekend. Now that's a deal, Dusty. I'll tell you what. We've been talking about Penn State, Indiana, and I'll give you credit for this. You came up with this idea, Dusty. With the performance of the freshmen, the true freshmen, and many other young players, it became a good time to talk about the future. What does this team look like for 23? And I'm gonna keep sounding like a Dan Orlovsky fanboy. He even brought it up. And they talked about how this team may shape up for next season and go into the season a top 10 team, which is nice. But before we get started, just one last note, one last note on the game itself. And that was One of the most incredible catches we'll ever see was made by Brenton Strange, and if I told you one of the receivers was going to make this incredible, phenomenal athletic catch, reaching around the defender, making the catch, when the defender was in perfect position, where would Brenton Strange be on the list of your guesses?
2: I mean, he wouldn't be, like, buried at the bottom, but I would go Parker Washington. I would probably go Mitchell Tinsley. I might even go Theo Johnson before I go Bretton Strange. Uh, but, what? I mean, I still don't understand the physics of it, Jim. I understand the physics of getting your hands around the defender and getting your hands on the ball, but then there's a the pretty you know significant matter of transferring the ball from around the defender's back into your possession, and I think the way that they kind of shifted bodies and went to the ground, he was able to pull that through. But just, you know, I could watch that play a hundred times and still not quite understand why or how, only that it was just a special play by Brenton Strange, and good to to see him making a play like that because it's not like he was non-existent, but he got off to such a hot start. And then you had Theo Johnson working his way in. It was good to see Brenton Strange get back in the forefront and make a play that
1: kind of made your jaw drop. Exactly, and I I just couldn't let our show go by without at least acknowledging that that catch, Dusty. All right, let's talk about this Penn State team, and let's start where the announcers did, which was, what's missing from this Penn State team is the special quarterback. It's something we've discussed on this show for years. Yes, there's some super teams that maybe don't need the special quarterback, but most of the time, uh, having a special quarterback. They brought up the fact that Ohio State has had three first-round picks in the last six years. Penn State hasn't had one since Kerry Collins. If you look at Clemson, they had two eras, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence eras. That's what made those teams special and won national championships. Penn State has not had that as much as we like Trace McSorley. Now, the thinking is: Might this kid, Drew Aller, who, if you just see his face, he looks like he's about twelve years old, but that's a man's body, okay? Can yeah. I'll ask you: Can Drew Aller be that guy? I'm a I'm a believer. I mean, I, I've been a bit a believer.
2: Um, I mean, obviously, where he finished in the recruiting rankings and being a five star and being the number one quarterback in America—that's all great stuff. But how many times have you seen the number one quarterback in America not pan out for some reason or another? You know, you need a little bit more than that. So the first thing that raised your eyebrow was the fact that he was Penn State's backup quarterback. You know, there was all the incentive in the world to hold on to this guy and not rock the boat and not hurt Christian Bayor's feelings and and all that. You have a guy who's you know been in that position before, who's played and played well in a college football game. Uh, it made a lot of sense to keep Drew Aller on the back burner. But he clearly forced his way into that conversation. And to James Franklin's credit, I will give him a world of credit for actually following through with that and recognizing, you know, this guy's not going to be around for five years. What's the point of redshirting him? So that was the first thing. And then seeing him at Purdue and just seeing the way that he carried himself in that situation, unexpectedly having to play on the road at night against a Big Ten team. And we've seen all kinds of reasons to believe, I think, that he can be that guy physically, mentally instinctively, I mean, I, I do feel like he is going to be the guy. And, you know, when you have that, you have all kinds of margin for error in games. You don't have to bring your a game. How many times are you going to see Ohio state, you know, not put together 60 perfect minutes. And obviously they've recruited at a higher level outside the quarterback position. It's not the only thing that's separating Ohio state and Penn state, but it, it definitely helps. Um, if the shoe was on the other foot and Sean Clifford was passing for Ohio State and C.J. Stroud was passing for Penn State, I think Penn State probably wins one or two of those games that they led in the fourth quarter. I would definitely say that. So Drew Aller can be that guy. He can make throws that that few people in America can make, uh, and that helps. But also, you know, his presence can do wonders, I think when it comes to skill talent wanting to be there, in terms of the next quarterback wanting to be there, in terms of getting into the college football playoff and elevating the program, not just for that year, but for good. And I will say this, I mean, if he looks like he's that special talent, we're going to have the answer to that question that we've been asking for such a long time. Is it just the quarterback that's holding Penn State back or not? I think starting in 2023, we should start getting an answer one way or another to that question.
1: I, I do too, Dusty, and I may always get concerned when talking about these very highly rated quarterbacks. It's always about he's big, he's strong, he's got special arm talent. That's all fine and good, but what about the other skills? Just plain accuracy. How about, I talked about Sean Clifford missing the instinct. Those kind of things, have you seen enough of Drew Aller to say you know what he's got that too?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's enough to really be ironclad proof, but you know when you see him in these games, and you know there was one play where a guy was open, but he had to get rid of the ball quickly. It was to it was to his left to the sideline, uh, right to right at the marker basically, uh, and by the time he going into the throwing motion to the time the ball was caught, the defender was in pretty decent position. So I think the instinct that no one to be in a hurry, the instinct to not just throw a fastball all over the field, but to have some touch here have some touch there to throw it low, where your guy can make a sliding catch, where if you throw it high, maybe it gets hit and the ball gets lodged, dislodged. Yeah. I I've seen plenty now, you know, it's going to be a different, Situation and a different position that he's in when he's uh, the guy starting the game, when he's the guy who has to work through, like, if, if he's not kind of feeling or if his mechanics are off, whatever, uh, he, he's going to have to work through some stuff that he doesn't have to work through when he's just coming in in the situations that he's been coming in. But, man, I mean, all these different things in terms of feeling pressure, like all the stuff that you can't really teach, He's showing some early signs that he is very good in these areas and that with experience, he will only get better in those areas. He's not just a big arm. If that's the concern, you know, Penn state has been in this this position with Anthony Morelli and with Christian Hackenberg. He's not just a big arm. I think he's an actual quarterback. You know, you hear this with pitchers in baseball. Is he a pitcher or is he a thrower? Drew Aller is a pitcher. He,
1: He really is. And again, I'll go to that where he ran and got the first down He did that. It showed to me good instincts, and he was quick to do it. The problem is when you're stuck in between. Should I run? Should I not run? Maybe I should pass. And then it's too late. The window closes. Make that decision. If I'm going to tuck it and go, do it. And he did that, and he's done that a few times in a few games, and I've, I've always come away impressed with that, especially for a guy as big as he is, more athletic than I think he's been given credit for. But, and you brought it up, you can't just win all by yourself as a quarterback. It's a question of, do you have the talent around you? And I had this discussion with someone about Ohio State, talking about all the stars they had and studs they had around on the field, I thought Penn State matched up pretty well with some star players. When you talk about a Joey Porter, you know, Abdul Carter, Ktron Allen, Nick Singleton, Parker Washington. So now it's will Drew Aller have those kind of guys? Let's talk about it. And the obvious place to start is that running back and – No, they don't have a star there. They have two of them there, Dusty. That's a pretty good place to start. I mean,
2: that backfield that you've seen glimpses of so far this season is going to be in place for at least the next two years. And I think the fact that, you know, Catron Allen now versus a month ago looks a lot better, a lot more decisive, uh, a lot more instinctive. You know, Nick Singleton's only going to get better. I think we've seen Nick Singleton make progress, even though it feels like he's fallen off because he set a pace for himself that just wasn't going to be sustainable over the long haul. Uh, You know, a situation where everybody was, was expecting every run to go the distance. But I think we've seen Nick Singleton become a better pure runner In as a compliment to Katron Allen, you know, you can't look at Katron Allen, be his partner in the backfield, and not take a little bit away from that. And I think what Katron Allen has, Nick Singleton is seeking still. So I think these two together are going to take a lot of the pressure off um, Drew Aller, especially Katron Allen's ability to get three or four yards almost no matter what is going on in front of him. He did it against Ohio State too. So you can't really even say he's just beating up bad defenses. The ability to stay on schedule and then the ability to to, to pose a threat to opposing defenses. You know, defenses are going to have to respect both facets of this game, the run and the pass. And that can only help a young quarterback, uh, you know, give him a little
1: margin for error. And as I mentioned earlier, those couple plays, big plays where Katron Allen was a receiver, obviously he could do it. Obviously, Nick Singleton could do it also. We've seen a couple games where Singleton has taken a screen pass, you he has some open area to run and the whole, you know, crowd gets excited because you're anticipating something special. All right, Dustin, we've just started our talk about the Penn State future. Stick around quarter number 4, we're going to look around the rest of the team. Stay tuned. For daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located
0: right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T E K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at W.R. Hickey and other craft beer retailers.
1: And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He's Dustin Hawkinsmith. It's quarter number four. Dustin, quarter number three, we decided to take a look at the future of this Penn State team. Let's continue that conversation. It's pretty obvious where they're going at quarterback. Pretty obvious that both of us are very bullish on Drew Aller. We already know there's two true freshman running backs in place although for depth you might see might see a transfer brought in there but let's go probably the biggest question mark is that offensive line we've been waiting for years and what's fascinating to me is going into this season it was like okay maybe maybe this is the year we'll feel better about the offensive line it felt like they had five good decent starters now This Indiana game, three of the starters were out. And I think this is the best indicator of where this team is for the future. You had Fashanu, who is probably going to be a first-round top-ten pick, according to some people, at left tackle. And you had Drew Shelton, this true freshman who, you know, we kind of got the impression, well, he's not ready yet. We're not going to burn his red shirt he stepped right in and offensive line didn't miss a beat. That's a pretty good sign, isn't it? It it is. I mean, and and there's no way of knowing
2: how the Penn state coaching staff felt about this kid until he has to step into the forefront. It was their plan, of course, to redshirt him because, you know, in a perfect world, you'd redshirt any, you know, gifted offensive lineman and and let him build and grow and go through the season on, on the practice team and, and, and develop that way. But the fact that Drew Shelton was even in this conversation was A, really convenient for the timing of this because they needed some warm body to occupy that spot at left tackle. Uh, B, he did a fantastic job. And so now I think what you've got, and as you're looking towards the future, I got to work off the assumption that fashanu is gone after this year because there's just not a lot of incentive to come back and work on some things when you're viewed as a top 10 pick. And that's where it looks like he's going. Uh, there's a bunch of dudes who have um, decisions to make in terms of their eligibility. If they want to come back, uh, Bryce Eftner can come back for a six year. If he wants to scrugs um, can back, come back for another year. Caden Wallace, Sal Wormley, same situation. Uh, but what I really like about where things stand, uh, uh, Hunter Norzad is in that same conversation. What I really like about where things stand is that you've got a red shirt freshman and Landon Tangwall that the coaching staff really loves who can play tackle or guard. I think, uh, you've got Drew Shelton, who clearly has made an impression and now has a really good start under his belt against the Big Ten team. You've got Vega Iwane, who is was also in the conversation to perhaps burn his red shirt, who just has unbelievable size and strength. Uh, and then you've got two really talented freshmen coming in, Alex Birchmeyer and Javen Williams, the best one-two punch that you've seen probably in five years in a recruiting class for Penn State. And so you look at all this and you say, okay, they're losing a top 10 pick. You might lose an interior guy or two. You have some questions about who's going to fill in here or there, but the young talent is actually really in good position to keep this thing going and maybe elevate to the next level. I think there's hope that the offensive line this year can be one up by the offensive line next year, even though they're losing Fashanu. Uh, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit, but you have, let's just say, two of those four veteran guys come back. Maybe It's probably going to be more than that, if I'm guessing. Uh, Bryce Eftner, if, if he doesn't want to just move on and, and continue his life beyond football, he's not an NFL guy, as far as I can tell. Uh, there's good reason for him to come back, too. Scruggs, there's reason for him to come back. You know, you get a couple of these veteran guys back, and you, you really like what you got in, in Drew Shelton and Landon Tangwall. Uh, you like what you have in Beggy Iwane, who would be a contender to maybe even start. You've got another layer of like redshirt sophomore types, Golden Israel, Chumba, Nick Dawkins. You know, maybe one of those guys takes a step forward. But between the veterans who've played a lot and these young guys that Penn State really likes, maybe even a true freshman can get in the mix next year, Berchmeyer or Williams. The offensive line is actually in the best position I can recall to have some continuity going into 2023 and beyond.
1: Dustin, I'm going to jump around a little bit on positions here instead of finishing up the offense, because I want to talk about the defensive line. You're definitely going to lose P.J. Mustafer, which hurts. I mean, he's that big stud in the middle of the defensive line. But there's some actual stars coming back on the defensive line. When you talk about Chop Robinson, Denai Dennis Sutton, who you know those two will be coming back. I'm guessing Adisa Isaac will come back. And then in the middle, between Izard and Beeman and Ellis and Zane Durant, looks like the defensive line will be not just in good shape, but also have a couple stars.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the cupboard is pretty full at both of those positions. Uh, Nick Tarburton can come back if you, if he wants to. Um, I don't think Adisa Isaac has done quite enough this year to justify the leap. Like I think if he could put a little more distance between himself and the injury that he had. Um, and I also feel like Zariah Fisher is coming back too at, at defensive end. So you have a pretty good group of DNs coming back, which, you know, if you remember, obviously was a question mark this year. Um, And I do feel like, you know, the pitch just in general uh, that Penn State has in the transfer portal, they can legitimately shop around and, and legitimately say, we're a piece or two away. Look at who we got coming in at quarterback look at these running backs that we've got. You don't think that's an appealing pitch for somebody who's trying to maximize maybe their last year of college el- eligibility. I don't think Penn state's going to have any great big holes or great big needs that they have to fill in the transfer portal, but maybe they can go out there and get another, you know, impact body somewhere. Um, and defensive tackle will be like to find a PJ muster replacement you know, to go to find a Derek Tangelo type would really bring that group to completion, a big bodied experienced guy, but uh, it's kind of nitpicking. Like that D line is in really, really good shape. You can always use another big body or two, but I think they've got, you know, edge rushers and how good is denied Dennis Sutton going to be next year? How good is chop Robinson going to be next year? These guys are still in the growth stage. So young, um, I think denied Dennis Sutton in particular is, is somebody that, yeah, we've seen some good things from him and he's gotten some sacks and, and garbage time, but man, he's going to take this year of experience and he's, he's going to parlay that into something great next year. So you've got a few different guys who can be stars and you've got some pretty good depth there coming back. We didn't even get into the Jordan Vandenbergs and Fatorman Malbuzz guys who are still working behind the scenes a bit. Uh, they're not going to have a lot of questions to answer up front. I don't think.
1: Let's quickly get to a couple of these other positions at linebacker. Curtis Jacobs, going to have to make a decision. But, you know, we both feel like Kobe King made a step. We both believe Abdul Carter is a star. Is that not a much better place to be in going into next year than it was this year?
2: If Kobe King continues on this trajectory and shows that he can make a a much wider variety of impact plays than Tyler Elsden, you probably overtake him. Uh, next year. And if that's the case, then what are you starting with? Let's say Curtis Jacobs moves on. You can talk about depth and you know, the four five, six linebacker positions that you can ask questions about that. But if you start the year with Kobe King and Tyler Elson in the middle, Abdul Carter, ready to, to break out fully and become a star and a guy like Tyrese Mills, who can be as good, I think as Jonathan Sutherland in that role. You've probably got your starting lineup filled, and where it's almost like Curtis Jacobs, not that he's a luxury item or, or anything, but if he, you know, pleasantly surprises and comes back, now you have, a, I think, a pretty bona fide strength, and you've got a, a wide variety of talent there. Uh, but I, I think, you know, the, some of these young guys have to take steps forward, you know, if Keon Wiley does or if Tony Rojas or Tamir Robinson come in in the 23 class and show that they're ready. You know, there you have some questions answered down below, but if Curtis Jacobs moves on, I still believe they're starting 2023 in a better place than they started 2022.
1: A- absolutely no doubt. And l- hitting the defensive backfield, it's kind of like now of course they're going to be fine. You know, the question just is, we went from Brisker to Jair Brown. Who's the next star? You know, Joey Porter Jr., he's going to move on, obviously. Well, that's okay. We got this guy named Kalen King, who's pretty good. Johnny Dixon, who's back, who I think has shown a lot this year. And, And on and on and on at both safety and at cornerback. Maybe it's not gonna—you're not gonna have the superstars like Joey Porter and Jair Brown, but they're still gonna be really good, aren't they?
2: Yeah, and and this will be the first year, and what you know, 2023 will be the first year in three or four years where you're not gonna have that superstar safety, that known superstar. I don't really think that's in Keaton Ellis's future per se. It might be in Zachary Wheatley's future though. It might be in Jalen Reed's future. KJ Winston looks pretty promising too. Like you might, la- you will lack the star power. At both of those spots next year, but a Penn State's got such a, a well-established reputation at doing a good job at both cornerback and safety. And if there are you know guys that are better at one position or another, they've done a really really good job at making sure they get in the best position to succeed. Uh, cornerback, you know, you've seen all these guys play prominent roles this year. Most of them will be back next year. Uh, you've got I, I love Christian Driver as a cornerback. I think Cam Miller. Uh, was on the is on the verge of burning a red shirt like for a reason you know I think you you got reinforcements coming it might just skew in both positions being better depth than overall top high-end talent but I think that's okay I think they, they've got plenty of talent and plenty of depth and guys that have you know maybe more importantly experience there and uh we didn't even mention Daquan Hardy who would seem to have plenty of incentive to keep playing college football and and to, to get the the biggest body of work that he can as a slot corner um before he gets ready to kind of shove off and try to take that
1: next step. There's plenty of talent going around, but what I also like uh Dusty stars win games and there's going to be star power. You know, Abdul Carter, Chop Robinson. Those guys are stars. I think Maybe not, you know, and I'm using this, maybe not superstars, but stars. I think, you know, Kalen King is a star. As you said, Zaki Wheatley, I think, is, is a star. The last position, well, is wide receiver we haven't talked about. They might need help there. Would Go ahead. You wanted to say something else.
2: Well, yeah, just to touch on that, I think the portal might be a good place to look for a wide receiver, assuming Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley are both gone. So they need somebody, uh, an established body, I think, at those spots, and or one or two of these young guys to take another big step. But I just think in general, the position that this Penn State roster is in, where there's not a lot of holes, there is a lot of star power, I think it's going to be a factor in guys' decision-making. If you're Curtis Jacobs, you can legitimately look at what Penn State's bringing back and say Maybe this is the team that can win a Big Ten title or getting that into that playoff conversation. The state of this roster can be an asset in helping these guys make a decision to come back instead of jump to the NFL.
1: That's a good point. And as you also said, between having a team that may be on the verge plus the success they've had with the transfer portal, being picky, cherry picking, but being successful. All right, Dustin, that is it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show.
3: New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in Central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd-pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone.